the Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You are watching another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast, and we're going to do uh, our second impossible to replace. And this time we're going to talk about Pat Spencer. I've already talked about him, and I feel like people to a degree may get sick of hearing about Pat Spencer, but some news that came out uh, with his uh, basketball playing career this week, I think made it more relevant. And he was the second on my list anyway. So I want to talk about how Pat Spencer bullied every player on his path to winning the uh, 2019 Twarton uh, award and why he's going to be impossible for Loyola to replace. Uh, before we get into it, I want to make sure that everybody knows you can hit uh, like subscribe, uh, hit the notification bell so you're notified when we put out more videos. And if you want to support us beyond that, you can go to laxfactor.com. We have t-shirts, we have hats, we have polos, we have coffee mugs. So if you want to support us, go to laxfactor.com and you can do so. And you can also find the audio version of the podcast and other things that we're doing there as well. So Pat Spencer, 2019 season, it was one of legend. From a statistical standpoint, it was very, very good. He put up 114 points while facing double and triple teams, but it's the way he scored those points that make Pat Spencer impossible to replace. How he got there, it was apparent Spencer right off the bat was a special lacrosse player. Freshman year, 37 goals, 52 assists, and 89 points over 18 games. And I had talked about this earlier in the season in an earlier podcast about how uh, a Virginia assistant, I forget who it is, but now he's an assistant at Loyola. Uh, Spencer's freshman year, he was still at Virginia. He's playing against Spencer, and uh, he said it right off the bat. First quarter, you could tell, holy crap, this freshman for Loyola is the best player on the lacrosse field. I think he, he went on to say Spencer scored three goals or something like that in that game. But from his freshman year, 89 points, that's pretty impressive. Sophomore year drops, but he played. He, he drops from 89 points to 83 points. His goal uh, scoring went down to 28 goals, nine less between freshman and sophomore year. Assists go up 55. And the only reason he had less points was they played two less games, 16 games in uh, uh, 2017. That would have been, yeah. His junior year, 35 and 59, 94 freaking points. And that was, a, he had a great season. He was one of the Twarton candidates uh, going against Ben Reeves and, and, um, Fields and a bunch of other guys, 17 games, 94 freaking points. And the only thing to note uh, about his 2018 season, his junior season, was his shooting percentage went down a lot his junior year. The amount of added attention that Spencer got his junior season caused his shooting percentage to go down drastically. His shot selection was a little bit more off, and uh, and he was just forced really to play it. It's still he. I still call a thirty-five and fifty-nine guy nearly a fifty-fifty player. It's not quite, but when you see a guy putting up thirty-five goals and fifty-nine assists, you can assume he's putting up, uh, you know, those twenty-four or five more assists than goals simply because he's getting a, too much attention and he's having to feed a little bit more. His senior year, he works on his outside shot more than anything, and I'm not sure that he improved his outside shot more than anything. I'm sure he did, but I think the big thing that improved between his junior and senior year was he dealt. He figured out how to deal with the pressure a little more effectively. He got stronger, bigger. I think between the ears, he got meaner and more aggressive. And he came back his senior year an animal, an absolute savage animal. He goes for 49 goals, 65 helpers, 114 points over 17 games. His shooting percentage improved from 28% his junior year to 35% over his senior year. He scores three game-winning goals. He has two man-up goals and 37 ground balls in 2019. Now, I could say that's the obvious 
uh, stat line of a Twarton winner, but a lot of people are going to say, why Spencer over Amet? And that's not what this is about, but I think we kind of have to go there. Many argue that Grant Amet had a better season. His team made it further in the tournament and so on, puts up more points than Spencer. Uh, again, it's the how that matters. And I said this all last year. It's, it's how Pat Spencer dominated these games and put those points up that matter. Spencer was routinely double and triple teamed. Yes, he also faced his fair share of dodging against poles on the island, as was seen against Syracuse in the quarterfinals. The island is when a team is confident enough or in either their defense or their main defender's abilities, and instead of playing automatic help defense, we saw that a lot with Ben Reeves. Teams played automatic help defense when Ben Reeves got the ball in 2018. Ben Reeves touched the ball. Guys started coming to help immediately, and they would they would pull what we really kind of call really aggressive kind of uh, uh, trying to pinch him in double teams where they're coming out and kind of trying to trap Reeves. You didn't see a lot of that. Um, you, you saw a lot less of that, I think, with Spencer this year because he, he his ability to just run through double teams would actually result in the defenses being hurt worse. So Spencer did face a fair share of people on the island. Nick Mellon, Syracuse, quarterfinals. Mellon was on the island. He had nobody helping him, and it was by design. They figure, let Mellon make Spencer get his points, and Spencer got his points, and then let's let's kind of try to shut down and focus on the rest of the team. It worked really good for Syracuse in the first half of that game. The second half, as the other guys started getting beat and the defense started wearing down, that's where the wheels fell off for Cuse. But, so, yes, he definitely played his fair share of island lacrosse, but the difference, and, and it's not really the difference, he was doing it against All-Americans. I mean, Loyola's schedule is pretty tough, so almost every game that Spencer played that meant anything all year long. He was, you know, he's playing against army twice and army has all American poles and an all American goalkeeper. He's playing against Syracuse and all, you know, first team all American and Nick Mellon. And he made Mellon look silly and understand a lacrosse coach doesn't look at Mellon's performance and just say, Oh, Mellon looked silly. It was just a bad matchup. And you know, but the scheme worked early on in the game. So Every, you know, where he is being guarded one-on-one -on -one and there is no help, so he gets to just get points. He's being guarded by an All-American. It's not like they're just, you know, letting, like my broom versus Onondaga days when I'm coaching broom and, you know, it didn't matter what you did. You pick your poison. Every player on that team could have put up six or seven goals on us. So it's what Spencer did against these top defenders, I think, that, that differentiated him and made him the Tuartan winner over, over Amet. Number two defense, Army. Four goals, three assists in their first meeting. Loyola win. Second meeting, it's interesting to note he has no goals and one assist in the second meeting and a Loyola loss. But, you know, four goals, three assists against the number two defense in the country. The second time they faced him, that number two defense figured it out and shored things up. Uh, number six defense, Lehigh. Hey, Lehigh, not a huge lacrosse, lacrosse name. They had a very good team last year. Five goals, six assists in a Loyola route over Lehigh. I mean, that's just crazy. And that's a, the number six defense in the country. Number seven, Duke. One goal, two assists, and a loss to Duke. You know, not great, but you get double teamed and you're playing against Duke, who has a great defense, and Duke had three all-American long poles. Maybe not all three of them ended up being all-Americans, but they have three all-American caliber long poles on that team to play help defense against Spencer with. Number eight defense, Holy Cross. Again, not a big team, but they play good defense. Three goals, eight assists. The number 15 defense, Syracuse, against all-American Nick Mellon. Three goals, six assists in the NCAA tournament win over the Orange, and that's against a first-team all-American. I think Mellon's been an all-American the last two years. He may have even been an honorable mention all-American his sophomore year. 
trashed on Syracuse in their defense. Number 20 defense, Virginia, five goals, two assists. That was at the beginning of the season before Virginia's, Virginia's defense was suspect early in the year. And in hindsight, I don't think it was suspect as much. It was aggressive, kind of all out, all over the place. And, you know, it just took time to hone that, that in. But against Virginia at the beginning of the year, five goals, two assists. Insane what he did against, you know, some of the best defenses and best defenders in the country. One of the most, and, and then Amat, Amat put up a boatload of points. If you compare the tapes, they do not look the same. If you, I'm not, nothing against Grant Amat. The kid is filthy dirty. But when you watch the tapes, if you had to vote at the end of what, if you watch both of their highlight tapes, almost everybody is voting for Pat Spencer. When you compare the work and you, you watch every goal, every assist, and you compare how they did it. Pat Spencer, he wins that every single time. If you compare the tape, I don't even want to hear it from, from others about that. It, Pat Spencer deserved that to Wharton, No question in 2019. He's it's one of the most physically dominant seasons by an offensive player in a long time. Not the most dominant, a handful of big guys. And I mean, big guys like big, strong, physically imposing attackmen have won the award. Peter Baum, of Colgate uh, fame. He was sturdy. Dylan Malloy out of Brown. He wasn't a little guy. Matt Rambo was built like a fucking meatball. So, you know, even 2018, 2018, uh, Ben Reeves, he had a solid frame. He wasn't, you know, wasn't as physically imposed as imposing as like a Rambo or a, a Brown, but I mean, the guy's what six, three and, you know, almost 200 pounds. I mean, he was a strong, big kid and Spencer's, you know, built a lot more like Ben Reeves than some of these other guys. He was a man among boys. He faced double teams. He ran over them. He faces triple teams. He ran through them. He dodged around guys. He dodged through guys. He shot around guys. He shot through guys. He scored with no angle. He scores on dive plays and not just dive plays like you see guys going Superman. He was diving shoulder high and ducking it, dunking it backhanded. I think that was against Rutgers that he did that. So and then he scores on BTBs. He feeds guys with BTBs. He played the entire 2019 season as if as if he had something to prove. Prove and he succeeded. He played like a savage every time he stepped on the field. And one of the things I noted earlier in the year, it was almost like he knew all eyes were on him. And he's like, "Hey, let me show you guys while you're watching me, while I got your attention, what I can do." The the Hopkins game comes to mind where he appeared to be toying with the blue Jays. He, and he celebrated that that was the famous, he scores a goal left-handed shot off a wing where he kind of went to take a step on a guy guy falls down. He takes a step back and just scores a, a lefty lefty shot, you know, probably a 10 yard shot off the, the, the left wing. And then that was where he kind of turned around and did the, are you not entertained celebration that I love so much, but it, even against a team like Hopkins it, it, in the old days, Hopkins, Cuse, Virginia, the blue bloods, they always had the best players on the field. Pat Spencer for Loyola, wherever they went, he was the best lacrosse player on the field. Fact. It is a it is it is a fact. I watched Loyola's first couple of games. Right off the bat, I was a believer. Um, in Loyola's win over Syracuse in the tournament, and as I say this, he totally raw dogged Nick Mellon, one of the best shutdown one on one defenders in the country. Totally looked outmatched and and just didn't look good at all against Spencer. I already talked about it, but but as I keep saying, that's not an indictment on a Nick Mellon. That's just how good Spencer is. Then the reason this is relevant and why I wanted to talk about this one today, as opposed to, you know, talking about a couple other guys and then getting to Spencer because we've kind of burned Spencer out. He pulls the ultimate in power moves. And after winning the Tewartan, fin finishing his season fourth or finishing his fourth season as an All-American, getting drafted, you know, with with options to play pro wherever he wants to play. He decides to play Division I basketball. Now, we've seen a lot of lacrosse players. Hogan played lacrosse at Penn State, goes on to play football um, for the Patriots. 
Uh, so we, I mean, the whole myth of lacrosse players aren't, you know, division one lacrosse players are just lacrosse athletes in general, aren't as athletic as other sports. That's not true. You know, uh, Spencer is proving that right now, but he didn't just go to Northwestern to play basketball and ride the pie. And I don't know what kind of playing time he's going to get come season. This is still preseason and they've only played one preseason game, but I was looking at the stats and I don't have them in front of me, but I tried to commit them to memory. His stats against uh, whatever crap team Northwestern routed in their first preseason game. He came off the bench. He gets, I don't know how many minutes. It was a fair amount of minutes, 18, 19 minutes. He goes eight of nine from the field one of two from three-point land, and puts up 19 points. He was Northwestern's leading scorer in this game against this crap team, Cincy or Quincy or whoever the hell it was that they played. 19 points, 18 or 19 points off eight of nine shooting on the day. The only basket he missed was a three-pointer, and he had like three or four dunks, including a sick alley-oop that I saw uh, in, in, in the highlights on Twitter. I'll probably play those. I'm, I'm kind of anti-highlight these days because we don't want our videos getting claimed, but I think that that alley-oop highlight, I may have to play that. So the kid decides to play D1 basketball. Like, good Lord, baby Jesus. Is there anything else that you just he, that he's going to decide in the end that he wants to kill it in? He's probably going to do it. And I say, please look out for those that get in Pat Spencer's way once he's in the real world. And he's competing for jobs and women. You better hide your kids, hide your wife, keep your boss away from this guy. Pat Spencer is going to take all of your candy or all of our candy if we're not careful because there's nothing There's nothing this kid can't do. So in general, uh, Loyola, they lose – not only do they lose Pat Spencer, you know, the best college cross player in the country last season and one of the best college cross players in the country over the last four years – they lose him, but they also lose Chase Scanlon. So what's that mean for Loyola moving forward? It, it's going to be rough next year. They're going to probably have a, a, a have to struggle a lot more in their conference to win it, but they're still capable of winning their, their conference. They're still capable of making it to the tournament. They picked up some good recruits. They've got a lot of really good players on that roster still. So Loyola, they're going to feel this pain of losing Pat Spencer. They're going to feel the pain of losing Chase Scanlon a little bit too. But make no mistake, they'll be okay. They're going to be okay. Loyola is going to be back. I think Loyola, you're going to see them be a, a power in the sport of lacrosse for many years to come, especially with the coaching staff and the, the facilities that they have down there and just being down there in the Baltimore area. But for sure, Pat Spencer, he's going to be impossible to replace. So they'll work around it and they'll make do without him, but he is impossible to replace. That is the end of this podcast. And another short one. I, I just got done with vacation here. So, um, uh, we'll talk about some other things later in the week, and we'll have you know kind of more news stories that we'll cover. PLL adding a, a seventh team that was interesting, albeit not all that exciting. I, I kind of expected they'd add a seventh or an eighth team. Uh, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell uh, so you're notified when we put out videos. You can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself t-shirt, hats polos, uh, coffee mugs, whatever else. we got a bunch of crap there. You can find other things that we do there. You can get audio version of the podcast there. All sorts of good stuff. As always, thank you for watching, and um, hoost out.